Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. We are so thankful that you have joined us and a, a very special hello to Colleen and Janice who have really gone out of their way to be with us today as many of you have been as well. I just haven't met you yet, but we are thrilled that you are here with us and I have a very special guest with me today, Pastor Dennis Page, the associate pastor here at the Village Seventh-day Adventist Church in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Thank you for joining me, Pastor Page. Oh, you bet. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to the, oh, the I, presentation today. I am really looking forward to our time together. And as we have shared these uh, past four days, as I've shared with you some of the principles uh, that I have learned and gleaned and been teaching in the area of just not only getting free, but living free and establishing habits that last rearranging our interior, our exterior, our lifestyle, equipping us, filling us with courage and strength to move forward. It's more than just information. And so Pastor Page, uh, he has an amazing story. But the most important thing about any story, because we all have stories, but the most amazing thing about any story is when it becomes a testimony and when that testimony becomes a ministry. So as we go through kind of a recap of principles of freedom and growth, we're actually going to process those principles today through Elder Page's testimony. And uh, I was just so thrilled to be able to share with you on a radio program not too long ago, Pastor mm -hmm. Page. And I was just astonished at the information that he shared. So today, uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, at his story, and I love the promise in John 10.10 10, that I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Can you say that Amen. that's your testimony today? Absolutely. Ever since I've encountered Christ, it's been an abundant living life, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Amen. Wow, every minute. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's, it's a lot about that internal attitude, even when things aren't going quite, quite our way. That's right, because the, what I've come to realize is even when things aren't going our way, there's a lesson we can learn from that. And God's the great teacher. You know, he's the master teacher. And if we would just understand that he has our best interest in mind and the burden of his heart is to restore us and heal us and cleanse us, then we know it's for our good. Exactly. You, you are so right. And God has really given us a peace plan. He has said, Amen. in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. Right. I have overcome the world. So as we look at God's peace plan as it has played out and is playing out in Pastor Page's life today, I want us to remember the four areas of peace. It's a contract of peace from the Prince of Peace. He has given us spiritual principles that secure peace. God has given us lifestyle principles that promote peace. He has given us attitudes to practice that actually produce peace. They're called peptides. And mm -hmm. he's given us faith that preserves peace. So through Elder Page's story today, we're going to be looking at that and all of the principles that he applies in his life, creating that environment, your outlook, what you surround yourself with, the lifestyle that you mm -hmm. live, the connections that you make with others and with God. So let's talk just a little bit about, before we begin uh, your journey of recovery, I would just like you to take some time, um, Pastor Page. I was so moved by your testimony. I would just like for folks to know what your story is. You know, some people are, they come to the Lord, they've been shot by a, a, a spiritual bullet or an environmental bullet. Other people have been machine gunned. 
and the Lord is the great surgeon. Mm. And so uh, we were praying beforehand about the people that are especially broken. They've been through multiple challenges. So Pastor Paige, would you just share your story with us? You know, I, I want to keep it in a nutshell, but it, my story is not much different than a multitude of people out there in the world today. There's a lot of dysfunction in our world. So I, you know, I was born in the ghetto, grew up in a dysfunctional family. Uh, I grew up without a father uh, for the majority of my younger years. Uh, then my mother would remarry to a, a man that really wasn't wanting to be a father. My mother never intended to have children. That was something she told us later in life. And so growing up without parents, uh, one, without, without a father, two, without a mother that really did not want to have children, uh, because she was dealing with her own baggage and dysfunction in her life from her childhood and up. And so when you have that dynamic taking place, you find yourself in a situation where you're just trying to figure out life. Mm -hmm. and, and then the enemy comes in. Mm -hmm. And at a very young age, dealing with uh, immorality and molestation and, and, and then getting involved in drugs and drinking, it seemed that I was just trying to mask the pain and try to deal with the reality of life without any guidance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, in your teenage years, my teenage years, I got involved in crime and just a lot of mischief. And uh, before, by the time I was 15, I was locked up for the first time in my life. I got out. I didn't like that. You know, I didn't find anything fun about that. So mm -hmm. I was pretty determined not to get caught again. Uh, even though I wasn't determined not to do things wrong again. You shared a story about, about trying to run away with your sister when that's, you were young. Yeah, you know, that's right. And, and we see that a lot in our youth today. Uh, they're, they're broken at home. They don't want to deal with the, the brokenness, and they don't know what to do, and they want to get away. And, and our home was broken. My sister and I, I think we're five and six or six and seven, very young. Mm -hmm. And we're probably around that age, six and seven. Because we were in school, and my mother had went to work, and we decided that we were going to pack our bags and go to Grandma's house. Now, we lived in Buffalo, New York. It was a big city. And I remember getting on the bus and the way we went. And we lived on the west side. Grandma lived on the south side. So we had quite a ways to go. So it was the winter time, and we packed up our stuff in a brown paper bag, and we started walking. And as we're walking, and I, it, it's cold, and big snowflakes are coming down, and I, I remember, this is so clear in my mind even today, walking under an underpass, and I turned and I looked at my sister, and I could see she was extremely cold. And I just said, Gidget, do you want to go back home? And she said, yes. And so we started back home. Unbeknown to us, by then the, the school had called my mom's job and said, hey, your kids never showed up for school today. So she went home. As we were walking to the front door, just as I was reaching up to open it, the door opened, and there stood mom. And she was holding a can opener. She noticed that we packed some canned goods for the trip over to Grandma's house. And all she said to us was, did you forget something? So here's what happens. Here's, here's what happens. We were talking about this before the program today. Mm -hmm. You have an incident in your life where you are rejected, marginalized, hurt, 
set aside. And that experience can become like an infection in the soul mm. that now everything in your life becomes you walking in rejection and abandonment. And that's what happened to you. And you, t you have alcoholism that runs in your family. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And then you started drinking at a very young age. Before I was probably around 12, 13. 12, 13, mm -hmm. right. So you know, we have some parallels here. I ran away when I was five across the street to a cow pasture <laughs> um, and was in big trouble by the time I was 11 as well. But I'm so thankful today, Pastor Page. The Bible says that the sins of the fathers are visited to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, that's not a curse laid on top of already a, a heap of misfortune. It's mm. God warning us, pleading with us to pay attention to his word. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible says that he came to show mercy to a thousand generations. Amen. So whatever brokenness you've experienced, whatever mm -hmm. trauma, God sees it, he knows it, he has all power, and he has brought healing into your life. Tell us a little bit about your journey and where you went from there as you began to get into a culture of trouble, anger, rebellion, and lawlessness. Well, Vicki, what happens with our youth today if they're not finding that guidance and direction at home, if they're not experiencing that love and nurturing that a child naturally is looking for? I mean, why am I here in this world? What, how am I to survive? Right. Uh, you, you, try, you start trying to figure it out on your own, and then you gravitate to other children that are in the same situation, that and that's exactly. wound up that's exactly. what I wound up doing. Exactly. And so then we, we get together in a little group, and now we're now it's even really bad because now there's a bunch of mischievous mischievous minds going at one time, you know. And uh, before you know it, we are involved in robberies, and we're out partying and drinking and doing drugs. And you know, like I said, then by the time I was 15, I'm arrested. I find myself in jail. Mm -hmm. I was determined I wasn't going back to jail. I mm -hmm. I figured I would beat my my stepdad to the punch. And what I mean by that is when I was growing up, after I, my mom got remarried, I was eight years old, uh, he always threatened to put me in military school, you know, because I was so unruly. And so when I was 16, uh, the Marine Corps recruiting team came by the high school and they started talking to us. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to sign up. And so I asked the recruiter, what do I got to do to go now? And I was in my junior year. I graduated young. When I was 17, I was already out of school, graduated. So I was 16 years old. And he says, I'll tell you what you can do. If your parents are willing to sign a waiver, you can start uh, going to reserve meetings now. And then as soon as you get out of school, you can go right to a military boot camp and do your MOS training. I'm like, all right. And so he came to my house that evening, and I'll never forget him knocking on the door. I told my mom and dad, I got a surprise for you. <laughs> and so when he showed up and, they, and he came in and he sat down, he explained to them what was going on, and he said, your son can enter into the armed forces starting today. All you have to do is sign the paper. Oh, they were so happy to sign the paper. See, I had no problem. See, what my parents did not understand I had no problem really with discipline. What I had a problem with, with was hypocrisy because I would always hear, don't do as I do, you do as I say. And as a little kid and you hear this from your parents, you think your parents are these big superheroes and they never get in trouble for what they're doing. And so it sowed a seed of rebellion in my mind that told me that when I get older, 
nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't care mm -hmm. what authoritative yeah. power you have. You're not going to rule my life. Right. And so that corrupted my life. I joined the Marine Corps, came out still looking for that, that sense of love and belonging and purpose. Mm -hmm. And I got back involved in drugs. I always worked a good job. But then I got involved in using and selling drugs for the next 20 years of my life. Wow. And, and alcohol and the alcohol whole thing. Alcohol was there <laughs> all along. So you had the genetic deck that mm. was not in your favor, environmental, and then, of course, we make choices. Right. So you had three strikes against you, but the Lord saw you. Uh, what, what, was your, what was your turning point? Well, you know, my turning point was I came, I, you know, I'm sitting here in my house. I had everything. I had a beautiful job, made lots of money. I, I had lots of friends. Uh, I had a beautiful home. I had nice cars, money, you know, all this stuff that you think. I thought I was successful. Mm -hmm. But I would sit there after big parties were over and thinking to myself, is this all there is mm -hmm. to life? Mm -hmm. You know, there's something missing. But I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. See, as a little child, I had went to school. Uh, I went to church a few times with my step-grandparents, uh, but I was told to sit in the pew and be quiet and listen. All right, well, I, nobody explained to me anything. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was supposedly some God out there. Mm -hmm. But I would always hear as well that this God, that someday he's going to show up and he's going to burn everybody up, and that right. if you don't serve him, you're going to burn in hell. And I'm like, I don't want to know that God. Right. right. So, but yet I, I, I'm missing something in my life. And, you know, it's like... Before you could utter something, utter your brokenness, God already hears it. Mm -hmm. And I, I put something in my Bible here, and I keep it here because it, it reminds me of that part of my life. And it's, it gives us hope. And you, any of you listening online today, you said you had a friend that uh, we wanted to say hello to. Precious Colleen. Yes, Precious Colleen and yeah. a couple other friends that oh, may yeah. be tuning in. Yep. You know, here's, here's some really good encouragement for us. It says... Never a, oh, it says here, the first reaching out of the heart after God is known to him. Oh. So that's before I even uttered it. That's right. The first reaching out of the heart after God is known to him. Never a prayer is offered, however faltering. Never a tear shed, however secret. Never a sincere desire after God is cherished, however feeble. But the Spirit of God goes forth to meet it. Even before, this is beautiful, even before the prayer is uttered or the yearning of the heart made known, grace from Christ goes forth to meet the grace that is working upon the human soul. Oh, that's so beautiful, Pastor. You know, the truth is, is that before we ever knew God or even wanted to know him, mm. his spirit was yearning and brooding over. Yeah. We love only because he first loved us. Right. It's really a challenge to see ourselves uh, when we come from this kind of place as a sinner because we have a mindset of a victim. Uh, did you ever address that? At what point did you address that mindset and say, wow, I, you know, I really have, I really need a savior. It's not about how bad everybody around me is. It's not about their hypocrisy. It's about what I am that isn't right. Right. You know, I, I came to that point, Vicki, one evening uh, after a, a trip to the club, and I came home, and I had already encountered, God had already made himself known to me in a very profound way. Here I, I had quit my job. I was selling drugs full time. I was involved with a drug ring outside of this country. My life was very crazy, chaos. Um, and uh, under investigation by the task force, the FBI, there's just a lot of craziness in my life. And God reveals himself to me one evening. I won't get into all that. It's in my book. But 
it, it was profound. And at that time, I knew God was real. No doubt in my mind. And I pick up a Bible and I begin to read. Now, I'm broken. I, I haven't read a book in 20 years. And I've been doing drugs and drinking for 20 years. And not just once in a while. This was a daily part of my right. life. And so as I'm reading the Bible, it, I, I couldn't make sense of it. But what I did know is God was real. And, and for some reason, he didn't just zap me right there. So there, it meant that he wanted me to know him. So I started this journey. And one night I come home from the club and I'm like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired of the alcohol. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the brokenness. I'm tired. And I came to the point where I'd, I'd just rather die. Mm. And, and here's the, the heartache of it all. There's a lot of people that come to that point in their life, and they just take their life. Mm. But I want you to know, if you're listening to me today right now, and you, and you had these feelings, don't, don't go that direction. Mm. Look to God. I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, help me. That's all I could say. I didn't even know who Jesus was yet at this time in my life. But later I would read about a story where Peter was invited to walk in the water and he would look at Jesus and he took his eyes off Jesus for a moment and he started to sink and he said, Lord, save me. And the next word in the Bible is immediately. So I can assure you that as you cry out to God and say, Lord, save me. God is already working to deliver you. Mm. Amen. And within 12 hours, I had my deliverance. Wow, what happened? Well, I was, found myself in a parking lot being wrestled down by a, a federal marshal and a secret service oh. agent. I was on my way to federal prison. So you were getting your exercise. I was getting my exercise, and I was on my way to somewhere where I did not want to go. At, but God knew what it was going to take, Vicki, oh, yeah. to, to bring healing, put me in an environment of healing where I can be restored. And this is, this is really an important point because sometimes we've got to have like a, like a turtle that without its shell, it's, it's really vulnerable mm -hmm. and, it can be, it, and it can be stepped on and destroyed. Sometimes we need an external structure around us, rehab, counseling. Yes. You know, if, you if you are suffering from uh, an addiction, substance, whatever mm. the addiction is, if you have severe depression, uh, what, whatever is going on, if you're on multiple medications plus an addiction, we really encourage you to get a structure around you now. Amen. Go ahead. So the, the first thing I would say is cry out to God and then, and then let God and seek out help because God knew I wanted help, but I was so broken, so weak, so dysfunctional, mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know how to reach out for help. I didn't even know where to go. And I remember telling God one time, Lord, I had already started reading the Bible, and I'm doing drugs, drinking every day, but I'm reading the Bible. Right. You know, I'm trying, and that's the thing. Yeah. Don't, you're not going to clean yourself up before you come to God. He's I, the I one was, that does the cleansing. I, I remember trying to read the Bible while I was eating a whole stew pot full of macaroni and cheese <laughs> as a bulimic, <laughs> you know, just trying, that yeah. battle of the flesh and the spirit, uh, turning myself into... Um, uh, juvenile hall as an incorrigible, getting locked up, refusing to go home, all of those things to try to get some order and mm. sense and system. And so God puts you in jail. Then what happened? Well, then I just continued reading Bible. And, and as I read, God began the res restoration process. You know, it, it is exactly as Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And there was two truths God was teaching me. 
The first one was about himself, how loving, caring, and just compassionate he is. The second truth he was teaching me was about myself, mm. about how to own up and take responsibility right. for my actions. You know, as a child, yes, uh, circumstances and situations shaped and mold me. It's it's dysfunctional world we live in. It's a great controversy that's taken place. But what God helped me understand was, look, your parents had to deal with the same thing. Mm -hmm. And how could our parents, and I, the way I looked at this is, how could my parents teach me anything different than what was handed down to them. Exactly, and it's such a beautiful thought. I remember when I had that moment of seeing in the Bible that it says that until a person comes to Christ, they're led captive by Satan at his will. It, right. it creates a, a concept so that we can see what happened through different eyes, and we can see God's repayment and remodeling and renewal system, which Amen. you were about to join, uh, to sign up for. Amen. And, and as I read the Bible, one of the, the most precious promises that I came across was in Romans 5.20. In Romans 5.20, it tells us that where sin abounds, God's grace will abound much more. So God was telling me, Dennis, no matter how far you have fallen, no matter how great and broken or uh, how, how, how great the sin is that you're in or the, how broken the world is around you, my grace will abound greater than all of that. And I often wondered what it meant, that word grace meant. Mm -hmm. So I'd go and I looked it up in the, Hebrew, in the Greek language, and uh, I'm not a scholar or that, but I I'm curious about some of these words. And it gave me so much hope and courage. It makes reference to divine influence upon the heart mm. and its reflection in the life. Wow. And so when God says, look, my grace will abound much more, he's saying, my power is greater than any power the enemy has over your life. My power is able to not only cleanse you, but set you free. And the, the piece that I love, too, is that once that process happens, then the Lord can weaponize your experience for his kingdom. Amen. Some of the people that have been through the worst experiences have some really powerful ministries. And so you were in prison, and I, I've heard ex-cons say, the Lord put me in prison to get the prison out of me. Amen. Uh, so you came up for parole, but something happened. Yeah, well, what was happening is uh, it wasn't quite parole yet, but oh, okay. I'm, we're, I was, we're gonna get to that point here in a minute, but prior to that, uh, they had to indict me, and they were coming up to a point where if they did not indict me, they had to let me go. So kind of like parole. Man, you were a but, rascal. You, yeah, you needed to I get in there for a while. So while I'm sitting there, it's been seven months, while I'm sitting there, a beer commercial comes on. Mm -hmm. And if you're an alcoholic, you know that when you're trying to recover, if you, you, you see a commercial, you see something, or you see somebody drinking, or you're around somebody, they smell alcohol, mm -hmm. you get this craving in your stomach, you get this mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, and you're feeling like in your heart, you gotta, you gotta have a drink. And I, I got that anxiety, and I remember I went right over to my cell block, and I, and I remember talking to God and saying, Lord, I can't get out yet. You, you can't let them, I, don't let them let me out. I just, I'm not ready. Yeah. And I knew that here, uh, two things. One, it wasn't that the, the prison was going to change my life. Mm -hmm. I just knew that my relationship with God wasn't strong enough. 
I didn't know him that well to know that he could completely empower me to be free. So you had already decided that a life of crime was not for you. That's right. You were already convicted that you were tired of hurting others and hurting mm -hmm. yourself, yeah. but you did not have the recipe or the tools for moving forward in freedom yet. You just didn't know the plan and the strategy. No, no. And I, you know, I started, when I picked up the Bible and I started reading, I just started at the beginning. And I just read it cover to cover. And I did that a few times. I wanted to get an overview. And it, it, at different points in the Bible, things stood out to me. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that our relationship with God is it, it's very simple. It begins with us saying, Lord, just take my heart. You know, mm -hmm. take my heart. Just take me. And uh, God makes a beautiful promise. First, he gives us an invitation in Proverbs, uh, I believe it's 23, 26. He says, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. Amen. So that's where it started. I mean, he's saying, Lord, take my heart. And, and then he'll just add promise after promise to that. And as we continue here, I'll share a few more of those promises. So right. uh, there's, there's some great keys to unlock and recovery. Well, exactly. So uh, what I'm hearing everything. you saying is that you got free. You find, how, how long were you in prison, Pastor Page? Not quite two years. I was extremely blessed. I, I should have been in, I should be in, still in prison, but God is merciful. And I even signed a, a plea agreement for five years and more. Uh, but God touched that judge's heart and said, give him, give him just under two. So how long have you been free? Oh, praise the Lord, Vicki. I went to prison in 2001. Okay. So I have not drank or, or used any drugs since 2001. And I got out in New Year's Eve. You know, what a day to get out. New Year's Eve, you know. Everybody's celebrating. Oh. And I had nowhere to live. So when I got out, my pro probation officer took me to a homeless shelter. And I lived in a homeless shelter. And I remember there was a big gathering in the dining room. They were all going to celebrate and party. And even though they're not allowed to have alcohol or drugs in there, you know, people were sneaking out and doing their thing. But I was determined, I, I'm not going to be a part of that. You went through a real transfer. You were free in that prison. Amen, your I was. Soul, your soul became free when you weren't ready to come out. The Lord kept you there. Not that uh, prison is the perfect solution for dealing with addictions, but often it comes with crime and with yeah. all kinds of things that go with it. I know my own life. I, I had a lot of trouble too, and I, we probably deserve a lot worse than we got. Uh, but God is merciful. So yeah. you, you became free, then, what, then you got settled, and you turned your tracks towards service for God. Yes, I, I was determined, even in prison, when I signed my plea agreement uh, for f five years, and it was called an open agreement, uh, when the federal marshal was taking me back from the courthouse back to the jail, and he asked me how it went that day, and I told him what I did, he said, oh, Wow. And I said, that's right, I have faith. And he says, I do too, but not that much. Oh. Because he understood when you, when you sign that type of plea agreement, they always give you the extra time. And I have a friend that's coming out next year, I mean next week, gets out of prison, been in 24 years. He's a paraplegic. I met him in the federal prison. Uh, I'm praising the Lord. He's going to get out next Thursday. And he signed the six-year plea agreement, and they gave him 30. And so... I know that it was the grace of God. And so I was determined that rather I stayed in prison, I wanted to serve God or got out. I wanted to live for the Lord. Uh, he delivered my life. I was discovering how, how he sent his son to die for me. I was just moved by the compassion 
of the heart of God. And as I, and I, so I reflected on my life and I, and I looked at friends. I've had friends that have died from overdose, friends right. that were killed in right. accidents or shot and yeah. killed by police. Um, and it, it, why not me? Right. You know, but I come to realize they all got the same chance that I got. It's a matter of choice. And that's something that God gives us. It's a, it's a gift that's just a remarkable gift. Yeah. And, and some things we're just not going to understand. Uh, right. Except in reverse. Mm -hmm. and, and so we don't understand why some tend to stay alive and manage and get better. Uh, some are lost and their life is cut <clears throat> off at a very untimely age in life. And, and fortunately, we don't have to know. We just trust. Right. That our Heavenly Father, someday, as we walk by the river of life with Him, He'll explain these, uh, these perplexities and these mm -hmm. mysteries. Now, you, you uh, exercised the spiritual principles for securing peace. You got that. <coughs> you <coughs> now needed to learn the attitudes to practice and the lifestyle that actually produce <coughs> and protect and promote peace. That yes. became part of your journey. Uh, you understood that there was a mind-body-spirit relationship very mm -hmm. involved here. So tell me how that began to play out in your life and how you began to develop a course toward ministry. Uh, the, the first thing I had to realize is, whoa, don't, don't walk around as a woe is me. You know, get, let me get over that and, and get on to the point that there's people out there that need help. Wow. And so... What a shift in your <clears throat> mindset. You know, it... It's something that God does. Because when you get out of prison, they give you a bus ticket. That's and, right. And you have nowhere to go. You're right. going to go back to that loving mother? No. Uh, no, mother didn't want where, me home. Where do you go? <laughs> what do you do? And this yeah. is where a lot of people flip back because it's, it's so frightening. I'm so thankful for, ha for the ministries that deal with folks that get themselves free, but they really need physical, tangible help. Right. And so here, a couple of things. One... If you give your life to the Lord, he's totally responsible for taking care of you. And he's going to open up doors and opportunities. The big thing is us not being so proud or stubborn to accept that. My thought of going to prison was not where I first wanted to go. I told the Lord, Lord, how about if I move out to the country, stop selling all the hard drugs, stop doing that. I'll just smoke a little weed, drink a little beer, and, and I'll, I'll read the Bible, I'll write for you. Yeah, watch you know, the football that, games yeah. and have a normal so life. That, right. the, that's a problem with an addict. That's what the problem that we, we have when we're addicts, and we need to get out of that is because we think that, and, and it's a problem with even Christians today, they, they want to get out of a little bit of sin, but not all of the sin. So it's rather you're an addict or you're somebody dealing with pride and selfishness or arrogance, whatever it is, uh, you're, you're willing to come out of some of this stuff, but you don't want to give it all up. But God is in the business of total cleansing and restoration. Yeah. So when we give ourselves to him, he makes himself responsible for our care and provision. And as long as we'll go as the doors open for us where he's directing and not be too proud to go. My, my probation officer said, Dennis, where are you going to live? I said, I don't know. I have nowhere to go. My parents don't want me. My family don't want me. And I'm sure enough not going back to where I used to be. So he worked it out so I could live at a homeless shelter. He says, will you live at a homeless shelter? I've never been homeless. He reached I out mean, to you. He reached yes. out to you in the, only, in the best way he knew how. That's and you right. took it. That's right. And you know, I used to live in a very, very nice house, drove a Jag, had money, but here now I'm going to be homeless. 
But that was better than prison because I figured at least I can at least go outside and walk around. So I accepted it. And while I was there, I was starting attending church, and a church member came to me. And I thank God for godly church members that came and ministered to me mm-hmm. and made sure I was picked up, took me to church, did Bible studies with me, prayed with me, even gave me oh. a place to live on the weekend so I could have my son in my life. And one church member came to me one day. He said, Dennis, you don't have to live here anymore. He says, you can come and stay at my house. You had, you had shown and demonstrated that you were trustworthy. Right. But you know what, Vicki? When, when God delivers you and, and you know that he has a mission for you, you, you wait for God to say move before you move. And I told my friend, I said, I really appreciate that, but until God says go, I'm not moving. Wow. I chose to stay at that homeless shelter until God said it's time because I knew there were broken people that came there and I would go to the chapel, and I would wait, and I'd pray and say, Lord, send somebody in that it's I could incredible. talk to today. So, so the moment you were healed, that instant, even though you didn't have all the tools yet yourself, or the resources, or a way, you had an impulse to minister to others. Right, because I, what I knew 100% was the only freedom we can truly experience begins with Christ. Amen. And if people could just get that view and understand the beauty of God's character and what he desires for them and, and, and get away from all the misconceptions of God. So you had to learn how to press forward. Mm-hmm. You had to learn a new mindset. Right. You had to learn a new way of living and thinking and relating to people, social skills. You had to learn social skills. Right. I'm still learning them. <laughs> All of it. And, but, but somehow you understood that this was going to be a process that Jesus Christ would take you by the hand and that every new experience now, instead of being threatening and an invitation to dive back into that addiction, now became a, a stepping stone to building a stronger, better, more godly you. Amen. And there was purpose in your life. Amen. Because, you know, when, when you know that what God has done for you, you're, you're thankful. It makes you appreciative, or you should be. Right. God did not deliver us just so that we can go on and live a happy life and get the new house with the white picket fence and enjoy life. But he delivered us so that we could be an instrument in his hand to reach somebody else. And, and Vicki... Everybody has a testimony. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to people that have been born and raised in the church their whole life. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sharing with them about reaching out and, and ministering to other people, they say, well, you can do that better than me because, I, you know, I've never... You have a scary I, story. Yeah, <laughs> I've never done that before. Yeah, right. And I, I remember looking at a lady and I said, well, have you lied once? <laughs> she looked at me funny. Yeah. I said, have you lost it before? Yeah. I said, okay, well, did Jesus deliver from that, or are you still doing it? No, I'm not doing it anymore. I said, all right, well, praise the Lord. Talk about God's power. How did he deliver you? And so God gives us an experience so that we can take that and use what we do have and know what limited amount I knew. I just wanted to share that. Well, people are attracted to gracious, kind, compassionate, loving, and empathetic people. Now, if you add truth to that, 
the, the, the truth of God's word. Amen. Jesus said he is the truth. Mm -hmm. You and I both, I, I became an atheist over the teaching that you mentioned earlier that I would not do that to a lizard. I didn't know what the Bible taught about the justice and mercy of God, that there will be an end to evil someday, and that mm -hmm. no, there's no parallel universe with the suffering, tormented billions of people Amen. or even devils. I'm just so grateful for that. And the minute I heard that, just that minute, I said, I could worship a God like that. So b just being nice isn't good enough. We have to know and, and marry the truth with the treasure of Christ's character. And that's a process that is gonna take place over time. So you don't have to have lived like a devil in order to have those two qualities, the, the, the graciousness of Christ in the heart and the, tr and the love of the truth. Amen. So that's what we, that is, I think going over the edge like that can, can help us to appreciate truth in a, in a very stark and real way, but we need to learn to treasure this truth for what it is, whether you've been raised in it or not, and sometimes that requires um, some experiences. It does. And, and you know, Vicki, talking about this uh, uh, being intentional and adding positive things to mm -hmm. your choices, yeah. it, it's a one day at a time thing. You know, uh, we were talking earlier how people set these, this goal, this long-term goal, yeah. and, and then they, they don't reach the goal, and they're like, man, I failed, and right. you know, then they try it again, and then eventually they just give up. Yeah. But if, if, don't worry about the goal as much as just what do you want to do today? It's who you become as you reach the goal. It's who you are becoming as you think new thoughts, try new things, mm -hmm. adopt a new lifestyle. You adopted that mindset very early on because what you're talking about here is the um, outcome-based change versus uh, identity-based change. Right. So outcome-based change says, I'm going to lose 50 pounds if it kills me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a book a month. I hate reading, uh, I hate vegetables, I, 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 I just can't stand exercising, but this is what I ought to do, I'm gonna do it, I don't like it. So every single step in achieving that goal is miserable. Right. And everything short of the daily goal is a failure. But identity-based change says, I'm going to become a reader. I'm going to become a fit person. So when Christ gives you a new identity, let's say I have a goal of, 10,000 steps a day, and I only do 4,000 one day. I'm still adding to that new identity. So instead of failing every single day, day in, day out, I can actually have joy in the journey of growth. How has this, how has this difference in how you achieve those goals? They're, it's good to have them, but an identity-based change is completely different than outcome-based, although those, are, those are, can be good as well. Tell me how that plays out you in know, your life. As you're talking about this, it, 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 something came to my mind here that to answer this question. One is, is when you're seeking to reach some of these goals, you, the word I comes in a lot. Hmm. And so it's like, you're gonna buckle down, you're gonna white knuckle it, you're gonna get this done. And you hate it. And, and yes, you hate it, but you're, you're gonna accomplish it. <laughs> but as we read the scriptures, the daily things that we seek to accomplish is within the will of God. When we look at this, God says over and over again in Scripture, I will. So he has a will for our lives. In the book of Proverbs, he's talking about wisdom. God wants to give us wisdom for today. 
And because it's God's desire to impart wisdom, we can pray, Lord, today I want wisdom. We can use the word I want because he said I will. And say, Lord, I want wisdom today. This is the counsel you've given me. Guide and direct me here. We go to the word, we draw from that, we take something out of it, we put it in our pocket, we memorize it, and as we spend that time with God every day, because this is key, Jesus says, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. In Philippians 4.19, or I mean 4.13, he says that with Christ all things are possible. Right. And so it doesn't say all things are easy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say it's all pleasant. When we first begin new choices, That's it may right. be very unpleasant. It is because we're dealing with self. Exactly. Self well, and, is and our also enemy. the brain body connection. Your mm -hmm. brain is constantly remodeling itself according to what it learns. And I remember having an interview with a beautiful woman. She was in her 60s and she had been an alcoholic for 50 years. Mm. Um, and one of the first things the Lord impressed her when she quit drinking was that she needed to drink water. That she need, and she hated water, yeah. she didn't want to drink it, but she said, this is what the Lord has impressed me to do, to, to begin to just clean up from all of this. And, and she just set a schedule for herself and she drank that water every day and then came some eating habits that changed. And you, you should see her today, she's beautiful, she's radiant. And you would never know, and her, the brain actually begins to repair, uh, and the dry weight of the brain begins to recover uh, after about two years of abstinence from alcohol. Mm -hmm. So this wonderful uh, decision, and that it's an empowered decision by God, but it's going to touch our lifestyle, our choices, and what That's we right. do, and how we behave. And this is where many fall back into an addiction, because they don't get the lifestyle piece. Yeah, a few, you're uh, right, ahead. a few things have to change. One is you have to be determined that you're not going to place yourself in an environment where that is happening. And so going to the homeless shelter was a wise choice. I praise the Lord for opening it up. Um, sometimes we find ourselves in an environment that we just, we don't know where else to go. And I'd say then, you don't, if you find yourself there, you, you really got to hang on to God. And you got to go to church. Go to church. Look for godly people. Connect with somebody and you form a new spirit of uh, friends because that's going to help you. Exactly. So you got you to get away from the old friends, the old right. habits, right. form those new lifestyle habits. Yes. I started drinking water. I started eating better. I started abstaining from certain foods that I knew that were just not good for me, healthy for me. Media. And absolutely media. I tell you what, I didn't get a chance to talk on this the other day, but you know, I was really heavy into to heavy metal and rap and all this other stuff. And, and it was not, none of it was bringing me any closer to God. No. If anything, it was drawing me back out into the world and, and it, sowing and it, and those it, seeds in my mind. And it, it increases physically, it increases tension, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness. So yeah. all the things that drive an addiction, it feeds it. That's right. Because it creates, and it actually... Um, causes those poor brain cells to want to commit suicide. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. We got to keep those so, things, we got to keep those cells alive. Yeah, so I realized that the, the, the music had a change in my life, what I was watching had a change in my life, my friends had a change in my life, and my, my diet had a change. What about a schedule? Oh, most definitely. Had to yeah. get on a schedule. I mean, you have to you make gotta, your bed in the morning. That's right. Have a schedule. Get on a routine. Get in a routine. You know, I still struggle with making a bed. Oh. You know, but, I didn't you know, mean I'm to mention that. I'm on a routine. That, yeah, <laughs> I'd call me out. <laughs> but, you know, you do got to have a routine. The big thing is to get up in the morning, the first thing you do, before you even get out of bed, I'd encourage you to pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, here I am again today, because we have today. 
and ask the Lord to lead and guide your life. He promised in Psalms 32, 8, he'd instruct and teach us in the way we are to go. Well, he would right. guide us with our eye, his eye, right. and he'll do that for you. And Jesus uh, says, learn of, of me. me. He so, says, cease to do evil, like mm -hmm. get rid of the attitude, right. and learn to do well. That means every area of my life is getting aired out, renovated, and that includes how I live, how I think, how I relate to others, the attitudes I carry. It's a complete makeover. We'd love right. to watch these makeover programs on TV with uh, these, and the worse the house is, the more fun it is to watch yeah. it get beautiful. And so this, this is the beautiful thing that God does within, the human, within every human being. So we should have makeover programs. <laughs> I think so. Well, that's what our... The, <laughs> that's kind of what this is, That's isn't what it? <laughs> this is. And, and uh, we have the Living Free, Finding Freedom from Habits That Hurt program. It's a six-session series. I've yes. been presenting some of it this week, but it's available to you. And I want to just pause here and, and tell you about the resources that are sure. available. This is the book. Uh, that goes with it. It's Living Free, Finding Freedom from Habits That Hurt. It's, a, it's an amazing book that deals with the addicted learning brain. It has 300 pages of, of stuff in it on how to get free, stay free, recipes, you Amen. name it. And so you can go to lifestylematters.com and purchase this book. It's at a 35% discount right now. You go to sale 35 put the code in, and you have a book. It's your story, and it's called A Drop of Grace by right. Dennis Page. Now, tell us how folks can get a hold of this book. Okay, you can go to our, our, our Village Camp Meeting website, and there will be a link uh, connected with that to my personal website, and we'll have this available next week on my personal website. Awesome. That is wonderful. So these are resources that you can, that you can use based on experience, based on research, uh, that are going to be tools in remodeling, rebuilding your life, and using them in, in ministry as well. Amen. So let's just look for a minute. So we talked about getting your goals in order. What about internalizing and practicing those goals? Uh, 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 what, uh, what did you do? When, how, how often? There's one of the slides. How often do you practice those new uh, choices? Well, I definitely eat healthy every morning. <laughs> you know, I've got to walk because I've got to take the dog out. So I get a little walk, but not as much as I want. But... You know, when I, after I eat, I always find myself going for a walk here in the parking lot at the church or uh, try to do it at home with my wife. We try to go for a walk. And, you know, being connected, really being connected with somebody that has the same goals oh, and yes. desires in life yes. is huge. So that's why I encourage, yeah. connect with somebody at a church. Go to a church. God will lead somebody to you and, and form a friendship. I, would, I knew that it was important for me to have a godly wife. And Vicki, I prayed for years for a godly wife, and the Lord gave me one. And I, I'm so appreciative of, of my wife, Melody. Uh, if you keep tuning in, you'll get to hear her sing tonight. She's going to sing a special appeal song, and she'll be singing tomorrow. She's got a beautiful voice. T tell tell the people about so the first book you wrote and her godly advice oh my. to you. The, the first book I wrote was titled From the Cell to the Cross. It was a very raw story of my life. When I met my wife, she was living in England. And before we met the face-to-face, -face, I, I, we would talk on the phone and we'd email each other. And, and I sent her a copy of that book. And I figured if she read that and she still wanted to talk to me, <laughs> God was leading. And she read that book and she thought to herself, oh, no. Because she grew up in a very conservative Christian home, godly parents, loving missionary family. And she's thinking, this is totally opposite, Lord. How can this work? And when we did get together, we got married. You know, she said, honey, 
you got to change. Something's got to change in the book. I'm willing to work with you. Let's look it over. Let's rewrite that. And uh, some of it was the how to do, but I was just telling you what I did, but it kind of would give you a how to do ideas. It was a how-to book <laughs> of crime. So, <laughs> we, we rewrote that. And I, this time I was, you know, I was, it, I was early in my Christian walk. A, a drop of grace instead of a flood of crime, right? Yeah, right, right. That's where we're, <laughs> or, that's where we're headed. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just so grateful. But, you know, if these social connections are really important. But if you are single, you are not sidelined. The Bible says that he, put, he makes himself families like oh, a flock. Man, he he sets the solitary in families. You are part of the family of God. We are members Amen. one of another. So it's very, very important, whatever your station, whatever your age, whatever your situation, church members, we all need to know that we belong to one another as members of, of each other and as of, as of a healing Amen. family. We're all on a journey. Yes. So we want to practice those healthy choices. Morning, noon, and night. Morning, moon, and night. Moon, <laughs> Getting morning, into moon, habit. and night. Morning, noon, and morning, night. You're noon, right. And night. <laughs> Talk about the, the diet that, that has uh, built your brain as well as your body health. Oh, it's been huge. You know, uh, I, I chose to stop eating meat. Uh, it was my personal preference. Uh, for, it, it did not happen overnight. It was, first, I stopped eating beef, and it took a year. I stopped eating chicken, you know. And, and I eat more greens, more vegetables. I love fruit. I, Vicky, I have to have fruit every morning, mm. you know. And I, my wife and I will make blueberry and uh, banana smoothies every morning. And, and if we run out of blueberries, it's like, <gasps> what happened, you know? And so, <laughs> so you go for those five-for-five five sales at the grocery oh, store, right? Most definitely, yes. <laughs> but the the... The different variety of vegetables, I love salads and that. Uh, the beans, the different nuts. I love seeds and nuts. It's really, they're really good for you. But the, the big thing, you can eat all, if you eat all of this, that's great. But if you don't drink enough water, yeah, you're severely handicapped. Right. Because so between meals, because you want that digestive right. process to work well. So again, having a routine, our brains are prediction machines. Our brains want to have a process and for things to be predictable. You know, being an addict is really tiring. It's exhausting. It yes. So and, and having a crummy diet is exhausting. So how nice it is to now, you go to the Department of Defense. Amen. You go to the Produce Department to get some energy. Do you have more energy now? I do. Mental, I do. physical, spiritual energy. Amen, yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in years, but you still, the, the better you eat, the more exercise you get, the water you drink, it, it helps you tremendously. Um, you said something about between meals. Right. It's absolutely imperative that you give your digestive system time to rest. Yeah, let it work. Let your digestion work on the food and then hydrate between meals. Right. The, the goal is not to be thirsty when you come to the meal. If you are dehydrated, yes, by all means, have some water. But mm -hmm. we want to get away from the chips, chops, and lollipops. You know, the <laughs> hidden addiction is sugar addiction, really. That's and it, right. can lead, it can lead to other addictions because it causes anxiety, depression, sleeplessness in large amounts. Uh, and, and I'm not opposed to having a cookie, but the problem is we're having a birthday party for breakfast, Christmas for lunch, Thanksgiving for dinner, Fourth of July before we go to bed. A lot of fireworks, but not the kind we want. And these kinds of basic addictions can lead to more serious addictions over and, time. And I'll say something real quick because we're about to run out of time, but, you know, the sugar is very addicting and people don't realize it, but I, I come to the, understand that because when I started stepping away from it, Mm -hmm. Because I had this habit of always wanting something sweet after every meal. Mm -hmm. You know, lunchtime I was looking for a cookie. 
Dinner, I was looking, cookies are the worst for me. I was looking for a cookie. I'd take a brownie, but I'd take a cookie better, you know. <laughs> and, and I found out, wow, this is, this is bad. And so when I stepped away from that and I stopped looking for that, I had that craving. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was an addiction. I knew that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't feel like that when I ate broccoli. Right. You know. Yeah. And so I realized that, you know, Dennis, I had to go, and I had to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? I got a problem here. I didn't realize it. And God would give me the grace and power to just say, you know what? I don't need that. So, so the Lord is in this process for all of us building relapse prevention into our lifestyle. Yes. It's the lifestyle and the habits. I call it attitudinal discipline. So the lifestyle, right. the attitudinal discipline, the social uh, graces that we learn. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you've learned some social graces along the way uh, as opposed to when you oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. first were... Yes. Delivered, absolutely. So trusting God and practicing these keys to victory will help anyone not only recover that lost ground, stay the course, but also sing a new song in life uh, while we grow in strength, obedience, and purpose. Amen. Moving forward, turning setbacks into comebacks. Have you had to turn some setbacks into comebacks? I have quite a few. And you know, Vicki, um, what we need to do is a part two Oh, yeah, I know. And so if we could schedule that sometime and come Absolutely. back and do some more for our friends here, uh, there's so much to cover. And so maybe I'm, we could get together and, and do that. I'm trying to get to your favorite quote here. Okay. That you love and I love. Oh, it's written yes. in your Bible and my Bible. So I'm speeding through these PowerPoint slides because I want you to be able to read the one okay. uh, that is so important. There it is. All right. It says... Rather they know it or not, all are weary and heavy laden and will be weighed down with burdens that only Christ can remove. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? He will enlighten. Are you wounded? He will heal. He will open a way before you to untangle yourself from any embarrassment or difficulty in your life, friends. The more weaker and the more helpless we know ourselves to be, the stronger we will become in his strength. And the greater your burdens, the greater will be your joy in casting those burdens upon the great burden bearer. Amen. Pastor Page, thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for joining us today. Share this with your friends, loved ones, and church members. Would you have closing prayer for us today? Loving Father, we thank you for our time. Lord, it seems like it's never enough time. But Father, please open a way for us to come back and share with our friends out there the continued power that you offer each and every one of us to be free and free indeed. So Lord, bless us, bless our viewers, give us a continued rich experience with you is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.